Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Dr. Gretchen Freeling, certified dermapathologist. All right, and welcome to Medical Spa Insider. This is Alex Tiersch, and it is... Gosh, what are we in June? June 23rd, I think. Um, still plowing through the the year 2020, which is going to go down in history as the best year ever, I think, for all of us. We are um, very, very happy to have Dr. Gretchen Freeling on the AMSPA hotline, triple board certified. Um, is it a dermapathologist? Is that what you say? I think I've, I've, I, I read it. You've got so many degrees and certifications, I don't even know what to say, but you're... <laughs> You're, um, I, I'm so happy that you joined us. Thank you very much. We've, I've, you don't know this, but I've, I've wanted to have you on the podcast for a long time. I feel like you're a kind of a, you know, you're, you're already a, a well-known name, but you're going to be a, a big star in aesthetics for a long time. So thank you for, for joining us. And how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to, to chat for a little bit. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, so you're in, um, you're in Boston, and I, you know, I start every podcast like this because uh, yeah, I people are getting so tired of talking about COVID and the pandemic. But nevertheless, like it's, I'm so curious as to how people are are doing and handling this. Boston was was a was hit pretty hard. Are you are you nearby? Are you kind of in the suburbs of Boston in that area? And and what have you what are you up to right now? Are you open? Are you yeah. operating? What's going on? Yeah, so I am about 15 minutes outside of the city in Wellesley Hills, and we were hit so hard at the beginning that Governor Baker was really conservative when it came to reopening, and uh, we just opened uh, two days ago on Monday. So we have, which was the 21st, I don't know what day it is, but we have, it's been tough in the aesthetic community here because as medical professionals, we feel very equipped to bring patients in one at a time with very few staff members and treat patients very safely with high, high protocols and and sterility and cleanliness. But many places opened before us, and so it it hit the community in a really weird way. Uh, But we're all open now. I think everybody is excited to be back. It's a little bit chaotic. We're, we're afloat. I'm, I'm here. I'm sitting here right now, which is great. <laughs> what's the, I mean, what's the, you, you mentioned it was a little bit chaotic. Like, what's the atmosphere like? Like, are you, um, first of all, are you getting a, a large um, swath of people who are wanting treatments? Um, I've heard from yeah. a few people that it's just been kind of overwhelming. The minute you open, it's like, oh my God, I need my Botox. I mean, how's that yeah. been? Yeah, it's definitely that. I mean, the phone rings nonstop and we're doing our best to maintain time between patients so we can clean the office effectively and appropriately and thoroughly. We have very strict protocols in the office and we only have one patient in here at all times and they have to be masked. And so we have a whole thing that we have to go through for each patient. So everything takes a little bit longer, but the hours are longer. I think, I think what is the best part is that you know, I and my staff and everybody here, my team, we get to see our patients again. So all of the things that we have to do, it really becomes small compared to the interaction again, which we've all been craving. So that's been awesome. But it's, it's definitely gone from, I need some neuromodulator to now just do my whole face. So it's very (laughs) different people that had been thinking about getting their lips done. It's just a no brainer now. So people are living, you know, they're living their best life life now. And I think it's, it's beautiful to see. I'm just taking a couple deep breaths. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's that's necessary. This has been such a crazy, crazy time. Like what's I, I asked this to everybody yeah. too. Like what you know, 
first of all, every month seems like a year. So time is just Mm -hmm. moving so slowly right now, but kind of looking back on it, you know, back into way back in March when this all started, I mean, what, what's your, what's kind of your biggest takeaway? What have you learned from all this? There's been so many different things I've heard from people from, you know, they're glad they had their cash flow together. They're glad, you know, from a business perspective, what do you, what's your, what's your big takeaway from all this? So I, I actually, I really try to look at the positive and I am so thankful. I mean, nobody would have ever chosen this, but so many amazing things came out of this quarantine for me personally, for my team, it allowed me to reflect and sit and, you know, I'm going a million miles a minute, but, you know, I did set myself up financially stable uh, at the beginning and I, I've done that throughout and that's a whole other talk about business yeah. management, but keep your overhead low. Um, Tiffany Lopez, love her to death. She was always like, you know, she gives the best business talks and yep. it's important. Keep your overhead low. And I did that and I felt okay. You know, it doesn't mean you're not stressed, but at the same time I'm, I was okay and am okay. But a lot of people aren't. So anyway, yeah. back to what, you know, what I thought. So I, um, I use that time, number one, to be with my family and number two, to do things that I didn't have the time to do before. And so I started new businesses and I started new projects and, you know, face it virtual that we'll talk about in a little bit, um, this amazing conference that we're doing and an online, uh, platform for learning face it, um, scholar. So, and I started another skincare line. So I was, I was almost more busy mm-hmm. during that time with different things and, it kept me going. It doesn't mean it's not hard and there's a lot of emotion and there were good days and bad days, but I think we do only live once. There's a reason we're all going through this. Um, and it's, you know, it's a year to to remember for sure. But it also, you know, I have to say with the zoom meetings, yeah, I had a virtual baby shower for my sister and I had a virtual, um, bridal shower for my sister-in-law. And those honestly are going to be so memorable. Memorable. I personally had my birthday during quarantine and I had a whole parade of cars coming by my house. Yeah. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Um, so these, there's different ways to look at it, but yeah, that's awesome. Wow. I, you're so positive. I want to well, try to be, I'm not always, I'm I'm not carry always. you around in my pocket and just have you like <laughs> whisper affirmations, as affirmations all day. You know, it's interesting though, cause you're right. Like it's, you don't, you know, you, even when you're, if you're a business owner, I know you're, you're a business owner. It, it, even if you go on vacation during normal times, if you take time off, um, and I was explaining this to somebody the other day, like if, if you're a business owner, you, it's almost impossible to turn your mind off. Like you just can't, you're always thinking never, about never. your business, your top line, bottom line, what you're going to do, what the next steps are. And what this, what the quarantine did is it almost in a strange way, like we, there was nothing that we could do about it. So we we just had to, you know, you had, to, especially med spas and, and, and office and aesthetic offices, you, you had to close. So you were absolutely, your doors were shut and it almost gave you a time to just think about your business and your, and your, your career kind of in a, in a larger perspective. And, and that, I don't know that that would have happened otherwise. So it's, it's interesting. No, I think so. I personally, for my office was planning to take over the floor of my building it's, it sounds big. It's, it's not that big, but you know, it, I was planning to do that. And right before quarantine, something happened where the the space that I was moving into behind my back, I guess, kind of decided to extend a year. I wasn't aware, and of course, I was upset. Right? I was very excited about more space, and this was all before quarantine. Now, I couldn't be more thankful. 
I don't need extra space. Nobody's in my office. So everything happens for a reason, and it really does allow you to reflect. I mean, the virtual consultations I continue to do, um, they allow me to drink and eat a little bit and sit, which is great, and interact with somebody. Yeah, Um, and you have such a busy life. Talking to people, restaurants specifically, I have some patients who have their restaurant owners and they have been doing awesome because they cut extraneous, you know, frivolous expenses that they didn't need. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, yeah. So um, you've got, you know, kind of an interesting story to tell. I, you know, I, I actually didn't, um, I, I think we met maybe about a year ago or so, longer than that even. At, at AMSPA, yeah, at the conference. Exactly. The conference. Um, yeah. And, and, and I had, um, I think I had seen you uh, from a distance in some of the other conferences we were at, but um you, you've got an interesting story and you kind of took a, a path that maybe is a little bit different. You're, you're kind of this larger than life online personality. You've got an amazing Instagram following. Um, most of the injectors that I talk to just absolutely adore you. They all follow you. Um, yeah. What's been the, I mean, tell me, tell me what the, what your journey was like. How did you get to where you are. And I guess to start going back to when you were a kid, like, did you, did you always want to be a doctor when you were a kid or what was your kind of dream when you were, when you were growing up? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could talk forever. Um, so I grew up in St. Pete, Florida, which is right outside of Tampa. And now it's becoming a destination for people. They love it. Mm -hmm. Um, my father is a vascular surgeon and my mom is now a lawyer. They're both business owners. My mom has her um, master's or PhD and her law degree. <laughs> and wow. she said, if my dad went on one more trip to play golf, she was going to get her MD. And I was like, I don't put it past you. <laughs> um, so we all, we grew up, my sister's also a physician and we grew up in a household that education was really important and our schoolwork was important. We did, we were both dancers, pretty intense dancers, but schoolwork always came first. And I was always drawn to science. I, my parents would never force me to do anything, but, you know, you're drawn to what you're good at. So I would always go with my dad to uh, the, the hospital to do rounds, and everybody knew me, and I'd meet all the patients. And it was when I was starting from when I was, like, five, I mean, really young. Wow. So that was my life, and I loved it. And um, through school, I was always a math and science person and, and did intensive ballet. And then took a little hiatus. I went up to New York. I danced at the Juilliard School for a little bit. You're kidding me. For real? Yeah. (laughs) And then from there realized, you know, I love dance, um, but I just, I didn't want to be a dancer forever. I wanted to do that and go to medical school. My sister took a different track. She was a professional ballerina in the Atlanta Ballet for several years and then went back to med school and is now a physician. So we we kind of ended up in the same place, um, just a little bit different. So... Now that um, was, hang on a quick second. When you yeah. made the decision to kind of step away from, from, from dancing and going to medical school, was that, first of all, I had no idea that you went to Juilliard and were a, you know, a, a ballet dancer. The, yeah. w- w- did you want to be a professional dancer? Was that kind of in the cards and was that a difficult decision or was it always like, ah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm just going to go for it. I think for me, it wasn't really in my cards. I was a little shorter, you know, ballerinas, not that there's a body type, but, you know, I hate to be generic here, but I was a little shorter. You know, it wasn't, it just, it just wasn't for me. I don't think, I don't think I would have been successful with it, to be honest. I'm not sure. I was very good, but I wasn't, I just wasn't the right 
fit, I guess. I don't yeah. know how to put this, but um, it just, I don't think it was for me. I loved it. I loved dance and I did do very well, but yeah, it I was also gonna, was very I'm hard on like, your body. But, looking back on your, your time at, at Juilliard, I mean, what, what, how do you, how, how do you feel about those years? Was that just like some of the best times of your life? I mean, what's your, well, I only went, I only went for a summer, okay. so I wasn't there for, for college. Um, it was fantastic. I met people from all over the world and it was very intense. The dancing world is a totally different animal. It's very intense. It's great. But I think that what it's given me is not only, well, it, I used to have good posture. I don't have good posture anymore. <laughs> but it, it's given me poise. I love to speak. I love to do public speaking. I, I love to be on stage. I mean, in a way, in a to a point. Um, and I think it gave me a lot of those qualities to move forward with my life. I can't imagine not doing it. I mean, my grandmother is 90 and she is in the Nutcracker every year. I am wow. not kidding. To this day. Like wow. I went to see her this past November, uh, December in the Nutcracker. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so yeah. So dancing, okay. you know, I, I danced in college and even in medical school. So I went to college at Florida State University. I went to University of Florida for college, uh, medical school. And I was, you know, I danced there. I was in the talent show and danced, you know, whatever. So I kind of kept it with me. And then yeah. from University of Florida, I shipped up here to Boston to do my residency. Yeah. And I did my residency in pathology. So pathology is the study of disease, the yeah. diagnosis of disease under the microscope. And uh, in medical school, I actually was really surgically oriented, so I wanted to do head and neck surgery. I was ENT for a long time, and actually, Dr. Keon Karimi, who's out in California, yeah. was in, um, we went to medical school together, and he was one of my mentors, and he was an ENT, and I would shadow him, so I, we go way back. Um, but I found out in medical school that I didn't really think the surgical lifestyle was something I wanted in the future. Maybe it would have been fine, but I, it just at that time I said, you know, this is not for me. Right. And pathology was something that really fit with who I am um, intellectually, so I'm very visually oriented. Yeah. And someday I have a photographic memory, okay? I love <laughs> the visual aspect, and I always love to know the answer to things. Yeah. So, you know, you're the doctor's doctor. It's an, it's an old, you know, a historic term, but you are, you're there for the answer. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up doing pathology and, uh, in residency up here at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical School, I taught over at the Harvard Medical School and was really into academics there, found myself really fascinated with dermatopathology for many reasons. Number one, it's extremely challenging because you need both a clinical perspective, you need the microscopic diagnosis. And you need history of the patients, um, history, photos, diagnosis. So yeah. it was, it's very challenging. There are many diseases or um, entities under the microscope that look the same, and so you absolutely need and require the clinical picture. So the whole thing was really cool, and, and I loved it. So um, awesome. from there, I um, this is where it gets a little interesting because I chose – to do a fellowship, um, I, w I was offered a fellowship at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Texas, yeah. and I was offered that very, very early on, and I had to make a decision before having any other offers for fellowships that were nearby. So I was married at the time, and I said, okay, you know, I guess I'm going to move over to Houston for a year, and 
you have to make this decision two years before you're actually going there. Yeah. So I, I accepted the position and then it was a month before I was going to move to Houston. And I said, you know what, this is not right for me. And this is a crazy, right? Because you, there are like 50 spots for this fellowship in the nation. Yeah. They're very highly sought after. MD Anderson, MD Anderson is one of the number one hospitals in the country. And I said, I'm not going. <laughs> so that um, is crazy. And that most people don't do that. Right? right. I mean, that's a, that's a huge decision. So, so yeah. how, how, what happened? I had nothing. So I had nothing to fall back on. I had nothing. So I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to be a dermatopathologist. So I tutored students for a year at BU and local colleges and universities. And I loved it. I had a great time. Uh, and I talked with my mentors um, and I was offered two spots. Um, well, I interviewed, interviewed for two um, at, at Dartmouth and then the University of Vermont. And they're both incredible programs. And I was offered this spot in Vermont and decided to do that. So That's the next awesome. year I went to Vermont. Um, incredible. But before I left, found out I was expecting my first child. So I'm like, okay, so now I'm going to Vermont alone. I'm going to have a baby in the middle of fellowship and my husband's in Boston. So, and cut me off if this is like way too much. No, no, I, I think it's fascinating. I, um, no, you know, what, what I love, and we were talking about this um, off the air, what I love about these conversations is everybody has such a different journey and, 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 and you, you know, it's never a straight line. Like everyone thinks, you know, uh, you know, you are where you are right now. It must've just been easy. It's, it's never, never easy. I I do have a question though, because you went, when you decided to not do your fellowship at MD Anderson in in Houston, I mean, obviously that's a, that's a huge, huge deal. Um, was it, I, I always tell when we're teaching and doing boot camps or whatever, it's like the, that feeling you get in your gut is always the one that you should listen to. And what, what was it that, that, that made you say, you know what, I'm just not, this is not the yeah. path that I want to take. Cause it's such a, I mean, your, your life would be so different now if you had done that. What, I mean, what was it? Was it, was it just your gut? Was there, were there external factors? What was going on that caused you to, to, to turn that down? So, yes, it was my gut, and um, there was something about a feeling in my body, um, and we also had a really hard time finding a place for me to rent. It was practically impossible, yeah. and and nobody was friendly. I know Texas is a really friendly place, but yeah. something was happening to us at that time where we couldn't find a place to rent. We were trying to do it over a weekend. Houston is really not close to Boston. It's a long flight, and it's just... I don't know. It wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And I realized the years are really long time. And it actually could have been two years of fellowship because you could do two there. But long story short, I think, you know, the way, the way we felt, the way we couldn't find a place. And just after talking with my husband, I just made the decision and I kind of, I do go with my gut a lot of the time. And I think that's the way to do it. But I also think you have to, you don't just do it flippantly. Yeah. For me, I, I want to process it. I want to talk about it and, and make sure it's right. But I want to honor that feeling. Yeah. So, no. Kind of what happened? I mean, a, a, absolutely. Um, yeah. So did you yeah. did you want to be in aesthetics? I mean, so I mean, there's a there's a big difference between you know, <laughs> yeah. dermatology and yet. aesthetics, yeah, well, right? Yeah. So um, how did you transition into that? And, and 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 was that always in the cards, or were you was that just kind of an afterthought, or what was your what was your journey like there? So I 
I love Dermpath, and I always knew that it would be my career, but I, I knew that I was not that person to sit at the microscope day in and day out and make diagnoses. There was something bigger for me. Either I would start my own lab or I would start another type of practice. And um, my fellowship w- was very clinical, and there was a lot of aesthetics involved there, so I was very exposed. And um, I've always loved it, and I always have had kind of a natural tendency to um, have that artistic touch, I guess. I don't really know how to say that. Um, but I've, I've been, I'm just naturally inclined that way. So, um, during my job, when I was back in Boston working in Durham Pass, it was like three years, four years, three and a half years or so. I was sitting with a friend and I'll never forget. And we are close friends to this day. And we're sitting at Starbucks and she's like, why don't you just do it? Just do it. Just open it up. G-Face MD, which, by the way, I just dreamed the word G-Face MD. It just, like, came to my mind. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and and she's like, just do it. And I literally, right after that, I got up and I was like, okay. And then two weeks later, I had my LLC. I had my website. Wow. I had everything. And, and I am one of those people that I am so perfectionist with things that are meant to be perfect. Right. But when things... This is my 80-20 rule that I'll do, like, speaking about. So things like websites, things like logos, things like names that you can change, but if you don't do it, it prevents you from taking the next step. Well, I just say, okay, GFACMD, it's that. We can always rebrand, right? I can yeah. always change a website, which now I've had five of them. So yeah. that's 80-20. I wanted to be 80% sure of any decision, and I would move forward. So we kept moving very fast. We, as in me, that's right. it. <laughs> and um, I was going between three... Three jobs. So I had, I was working at two Dermpath labs, and then I had G-Face MD, which started in one room inside another business, and I was doing all of them every day for a so, year. And, and, and what was the, what was the, the, the purpose behind G-Face MD? Was it, I mean, was it purely aesthetics? Was it meant to be a, your own um, derm practice also, or, or was there, what was kind of the, the, the idea behind the brand? So it was, it's purely aesthetics and aesthetics in a very different way. Um, And we all, I think a lot of the aesthetic community, we want our patients to look good. We don't want our patients to look like clowns, right? Right. And so I think the industry is very much changing. There's so many incredible nurse injectors and and NPs and and it's amazing. But my vision was... um, it was twofold. It was, you know, minimally invasive, creating beauty, um, and my best results take time. And so I think a lot of people with this field, it's all about now, immediate, like, let's do this now. But right. my patients come back over the course of months and years, and we continue to enhance their beauty. And so it was just a different way with very micro-optimization, per se, um, to enhance their own innate beauty versus creating a fake appearance. And we hear that a lot, but I really had this vision that I, and I do believe has come to life. Um, but I think my biggest struggle was I am the first ever, and I stand to be corrected if there's somebody out there that I don't know about. Okay. You, heard, you heard it here. <laughs> ever pathology trained dermatopathologist to ever open aesthetic practice. And I think that's because of the pushback that you you get in the field. So aesthetics is 
it should be, in my mind, a vocational degree. I think that moving into the future, mm-hmm. this should be, you know, maybe having it as a residency of sorts is a little much, but there should be a degree for this because this is a field, right? Right. And and we need to be educated and we need to know what we're doing and people shouldn't be just like out there doing injectables. So I really see standardization moving forward, hopefully soon. But I was, you know, the first ever to do this and I felt like I, I had some pushback. And so I had to get through that and I had to put my head down and I opened myself up to being judged. Um, but I had a lot of support. So and where did the, and, and obviously you don't have to name, you know, I'm not asking you to name names, but where'd the, yeah. where'd the pushback come from? Was it, because I mean, I hear that from a lot of different places in, in aesthetics. Aesthetics is a, is a, it's got this, um, this side to it that's been around for a long time. And it's, it's kind there's this kind of old school network to it where they believe that this segment of it is that they're the ones who should be doing it. No one else should be coming in and doing it. And, um, what, is that what you're talking about? I mean, did you encounter pushback from other derms or was it from plastic yeah. surgeons? Or Yes. 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 Um, oh. I have overwhelming support from so many dermatologists, plastic surgeons. But it's not even just in a sense. In any field, you have people that don't support you. I mean, it's, right. we're humans, and I don't know. If there's one person out there that everybody loves so much beyond, that is amazing. I want to be you. But there's always... There's always that. There's always people that either don't support you or are jealous, you know, and I hate to use that word, but envious, you know, how did she do that, you know, whatever it is. Whatever their motive is, maybe they're personally unhappy, I don't know. But for me, I looked to the people that really supported me, and, and many, I have a lot of support, and I foster those relationships, and and what I think is so hard that I wish I knew, and I know you mentioned this in, in before about what we should talk about, some things I wish I knew yeah. are, I don't understand why our field is so divided in the sense of um, you shouldn't be injecting or what's wrong with this field injecting or whatever it is. Right. I think that's even more of a reason to have a vocational degree, to have higher education that's required. Right. And I think it's, and, it, and then we're together and I get it, you know, we all go to school for a long time and this is not a competition. Um, so I think it's tough and I, and I wasn't aware of that, but I think that, you know, these hardships and, and the things that are happening right now, it's a reason there's room for change here. I think we need to address it. Yeah. We, so. so we, it's interesting that you bring that up because we, this is one of the things that we're dealing with, AMSPA is dealing with. It, you know, in a big way right now is that there is, um, and this is not meant to be anything against dermatologists, but we have gotten, you know, from the non-core physicians, nurse practitioners, not as much, but then RNs who are coming in and becoming these injectors, right. And opening up their, these, these amazing practices and growing. Um, we have had pushback from multiple different disciplines, but by far, and it's not even close, the the most criticism and pushback and resistance we get are from dermatologists. And mm-hmm. it's it's not even close. Most of the time they are the ones who are saying, You shouldn't be doing this. This and what is, is their reason? What um is- Well, I, you know what, I don't I don't know that I've ever gotten a real satisfactory reason, but I think um 
from my understanding, it's, it's the level of training and clinical skill and, um, knowledge of, of, of the body and, and how things interact is, is so that they, as a dermatologist, you have so much knowledge. And, and for those who don't know, I mean, being a dermatologist is, is one of the hardest, um, you know, it's one of the hardest residencies and fellowships you can get. I mean, there's so few of you that you have to be incredibly smart and skilled. And, um, I, 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 I'm just not, I, I don't know that, that there's the feeling that, that an RN is, is, is nearly on the same level as someone who's a dermatologist as far as the anatomy and the, the way the different, you know, the, the, the pathology in the, in the body interacts. I, that's my guess, but, but I really don't know. I, what, what do you think? I think it's tough. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know what we would do without RNs. I mean, I'm having an RN inject my face. I mean, they're incredible. <laughs> right. Um, I just, I think it's so wrong to compartmentalize specialties like that. It, again, it's not a competition. Yes, I went to school for a bazillion years. Am I going to, it was my choice. Like, right. am I going to say, compare myself to somebody who went to school for less years, but maybe has more experience in a different field? No. Yeah. So I think the whole thing is really challenging, but I think what everybody has to realize is that again, like this is, this should be cohesive. Like we're here to work together. And if I didn't have my amazing RNs and my team, I wouldn't be here. Like, I just, I don't understand. And they're amazing. And there are so many amazing nurses and, and there's amazing physicians and, and there's bad nurses, bad physicians and whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the way the industry is going is it's almost like, it's very saturated, right? And it's growing and growing and growing. But I, I feel this turning point of like division. I feel like something's happening. So I want, I don't know what I can do, but something <laughs> to, to help bring yeah. us all back. And I don't know if that is some sort of standardized education or something. Um, well, I think, I mean, I think Stan, you know, and this is something that we're, we're, we're working on and we're, we're actually, we have a whole set of standards, um, that, um, that we're going to be rolling out. Um, I think that would help, right. Just so that, that there's a minimum. I mean, to me, when I see this, the, the, the biggest issue that we face is, is, is the bad publicity because there are bad actors out there. There's nurses, there's estheticians for God's sakes who are doing injections. There's, you know, there's people who shouldn't be doing things that they're doing. And the only way to get those people out is to have some sort of a standard where, you know, you have to meet the standard in order to practice in this field. And we don't have that now. So it allows some of these others to come in and it, it gives everybody a bad name. But I do think dermatologists like yourself, like we need, you know, the med spa community, um, which is largely made up of RNs, NPs, and non-core physicians need, you know, need the support of dermatologists. Cause that's, it's, 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 it's again, where the biggest resistance comes. So, yeah. Um, and, but I do want to like slightly correct. I mean, I'm a dermatopathologist, so I don't do clinical derm. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, just so we're clear on that. No, that's, I'm glad it <laughs> means nothing to me. Um, do you still, do you still practice dermapathology at all? So right now, so I don't have the time and for a while, um, I'm still independently contracted with a lab here and it, it's just so crazy how right when I started G-Phase MD, 
that lab was purchased by a private equity company and a private equity firm. And they kind of, you know, just said, we don't have work for you for a while. They didn't have to fire me because I'm a contractor. <clears throat> um, so it allowed me to ramp up QFaceMD. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and during COVID, right, you know, they don't ever really have to fire me. So I'm still available. I'm still there. I have an office, but I don't go in regularly. But the short answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and, did you, what was the learning curve for, for getting into aesthetics? Did you, did you have to do training? Um, I mean, you said you didn't yeah. get a lot of aesthetics in your, in your fellowship. How did you pick up on those skills? So a lot of, a lot of intensive education and reading and, you know, I do think I had a background that was probably a little different than let's say somebody else. Um, but, you know, using your mentors and people, you know, I don't think anybody should feel bad asking for help. And I think that's the other thing that is kind of frowned upon and why I love to train and help people is because it's really hard to get in the field and people aren't willing to share. Not everybody, right? but a lot of people feel like that their technique or whatever they do is their secret. Right. But like, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I spent time with so many amazing people that helped and, and shared their knowledge. And I'm a bookworm, you know, and I, I read all my articles and I'm a member of a bunch of societies. And, and I think all of that really made a difference. And I think knowing the skin clinically and under the microscope was a game changer for me. Um, knowing what the skin looks like under the microscope, knowing where that Botox or that Dysport or whatever it is is going, knowing where that filler is going and what it's doing and what the cells are around it that are potentially attacking it or doing something to it, right? We need to know these things. And that's another thing. I want to incorporate histology and pathology into conferences and lectures because it's it's essential. We mm -hmm. can't just blindly inject. And anatomy is one thing, but let's take it to another level and let's do histopathology. Um, it's it's paramount. It's really important. So. Interesting. And, so, and, and you've you've found that to be a, a benefit in your practice and your career is the fact that you know yeah. that side of things. That's yeah, interesting. For sure. Did you always did you always want to be uh, a business owner and an entrepreneur? I mean, was that something kind of you were thinking about your whole life? Yes. Yes and no. <laughs> um, I wasn't always thinking about it. My husband has a, his business, so he's, he's a businessman, I guess. So he's helped guide me, but he kind of gave me the, the freedom to do, kind of do it on my own. And then mm -hmm. I'll go back to him with questions. But yeah, I wanted to have my own thing, whatever it was, a business or who knows, an Etsy shop or something like that. But I wanted to have my own thing. So, well, you've um, got more than an Etsy shop, I think. So. More than an Etsy shop. Um, <laughs> those are amazing, too, though. Uh, so, so, yeah, I think it was a challenge for me, and I like challenges. I like learning, and I like challenges, and people say, you know, how did you do all of this? Well, I am an extreme multitasker. I mean, if I had my staff and my team over here on the phone, they'd be like, yeah, you just you think you can keep up, and you think you're a multitasker, but there's it's a different level. I don't know if it's healthy, okay? I don't recommend <laughs> it, but... I can do about 20 things at once. Um, that so, being said, you know, I had to learn a lot and I have a lot of friends and I reached out to a lot of people to teach me about business and you want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row. And did I have all my ducks in a row right when I started? No, 
but I was learning and I was getting into it and you have to start somewhere. Um, you want to make sure you have your standard operating procedures and all of these things, but you need to, to seek help for that. Right. So I did that and I learned a lot. And, and honestly, conferences like the MedSpa show and, and these are essential conferences. This is where you learn. This is where you meet people, make connections. And right. I can't even, I can't tell you how many people I've met from all of these conferences that I keep in touch with, you know, weekly. Right. So even about complicated cases or, or patients or whatever, that's what it's about. It's about the community. So yeah, I just keep talking. You just have to stop. No, me. <laughs> <laughs> no I know. We trust me. We I, that's that's why you're on, so you can talk. I don't want to hear me talk for God's sakes. Um, <laughs> the. Um, you you said GFACE MD started as a as a kind of a one room place and it was just you. Where are you now? What's your like? How many employees do you have? Or what's your yep. space look like, et cetera? So I I started with just myself and we're still small and I think that that is a big key differentiator. I think that whatever works for you works for you and I think these big practices with many locations, you know. Awesome. I do not want that for many reasons. Um, but my practice is, is boutique and we're small and I have five staff and um, they're fantastic. I have an esthetician and I have um, an RN who is learning injectables. I do not have a direct medical assistant. She is kind of doing that for me because my structure here is to have people learning the ins and outs of the business and directly assisting me for a long time, um, up to a year so that they are masters. This is not a place where you come in and you just inject in a week. Um, so my structure is very small and I do, I have done pop-ups in Florida and I'm planning a couple other ones, but I don't think I am one of those people that's going to do the multiple location situation. I, I say that now and watch it happen. I don't know. No, I mean, that's, um, that's interesting. Why, why, why not? Do you think like, what, what is it about that? That does, does not appeal to you? I have so many other passions and I, I think that if you have, if you are who you are and you make yourself who you are and your skill and everything is, is how you want it to be and incredible or whatever it is, people will come to you. I have people that come from all over the country to mm -hmm. me and I, I don't know how to say this right. I have so many other things that I love so much. I love to teach. Mm -hmm. I love to you know, this is the first year for this global conference, but it's it's so exciting and it's teaching and giving back and that takes a lot of time. I have this skincare line, Sonier Skin, which is my kids' names combined. So it's Madison and Sawyer and I made a skincare line out of it. That's um, awesome. And that has taken hours and hours and hours of time and I absolutely love it and I want that to be all over the country. So or the world, who knows? So I have a lot of really big visions and I love my injecting, but I think running and managing practices in many states gives me severe anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I, I think that's commendable really, because I talk to, I mean, I'm telling you, I say this so many times whenever I talk to, to entrepreneurs who are coming into the med spa space, they, their eyes get big. They want multiple locations, nationwide brand, all this. And, and I'm constantly saying, um, you know, what's wrong with just having a smaller practice? Like there's, you know, it, and, and you're keeping your eyes on what you're passionate about big picture. And that's, I mean, that's, I mean, there, there's a, there's some wisdom there to be had, I think. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I really think that everybody has their own jam. Like, if you're good at that and you have somebody yep. that manages these places in all these states and they're amazing and they can do it, that is awesome. You know, I think that's incredible. I don't know if that's a strength of mine. You know, I have to tap into my strengths and what what I find fulfills me. And, you know, it just doesn't to do that. So, <laughs> so looking know. back on your, on your, on your business, um, and I had sent you some questions ahead of time because I just to kind of stir your, your imagination. Yeah. Are there any things, um, that you would have done differently or you, you mentioned the 80 kind of the 80, 20 rule, which I, which I would love to, to talk a little further about because I thought that was interesting, but is there anything looking back? You're like, man, if I had known, I would have, I would have done this differently or I would have done this differently. What's the, what's your biggest takeaway? Cause it, most of this is just learning by, you know, by doing, by doing. Yeah. yeah. What would I have done differently? Um, <clears throat> I don't really know. I, by no way did I do things perfectly. And, and many of the things I've done have had redos, right? So like I've redone the website, I've redone a lot of things. Right. What would I have done differently? Um, you know, I really kept my overhead small. I kept my space small. My space now is, you know, around 2,000 square feet, so it's not overly big. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's okay. Like if that's a bad answer. I don't really have anything. But I, I know I do. I just don't know. <laughs> well, don't know. so but let me ask you about the, the, what you said before, because, um, uh, this is something that a lot of, of entrepreneurs struggle with. I, I struggle with it. I continue to struggle with it. And I did a, in a big way at the beginning. And that's the, you know, this idea that, um, in order to move to the next step in your plan, you have to complete the step before it. And a lot of people get so stuck on making step, you know, A, B, C, D perfect, right? It has to be perfect that they, they never get going, that they end up struggling. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, which is kind of this, the same theory that, that you're talking about, which is you've got to get, you've got to get things done and move on in order to, to, to build. And it's not always going to be perfect. When did you start, have you, have you always had that kind of philosophy or when did that start creeping into your, to your, to your, to your analysis? So I, I would say I'm a relatively impatient person. <laughs> um, I want everything yesterday and mm-hmm. I have drive through the roof. So I will sit and get something done until it's done. And I want it done immediately. For example, like during COVID I sat and I wrote a hundred pages of text for the skincare line, the descriptions and all of that, you know, and I, that would have taken me years, but I, I do things very quickly and efficiently with the knowledge that it's not, it doesn't apply to everything. So like, again, just like frivolous, like business things that are an aesthetic. Yeah. You know, I've changed the look of kind of G face and a couple times, um, but just getting the brand out there is better than it not out there yet. Right. Um, if you go back all the way down to the beginning of my Instagram, and yes, I've deleted some stuff because I didn't want it on there, but it's very <laughs> different from what it is now. But that's the other thing about it is you have to look at this as a journey. I mean, I'm doing this. What's the point of an end goal? Because it's over then, right? Or maybe it's not. I don't know. I mean, what's the point? The point is to really try, and I know this sounds cliche, and I know it's annoying, but I take it really seriously about enjoying each day and enjoying the process because 
this conversation right now gets me so excited because I see, you know, where I've come from and it's not always been like this and what I've learned and the people I've met and it's about the process. But if you get stuck on one thing, you know, my advice is reach out. I'm here. You know, I, that's one thing I wanted to give to the community is to be available. I get hundreds of messages a day on my Instagram, you know, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And of course, you know, and I think that's, it's kind of hard to find sometimes. So reach out to people, ask them for help, ask them if they have, you know, an example of whatever you're looking for. Do you have a good website designer? Do you have this? Do you have that? Just to get it going. Yep. Um, because if you sit and you just spin your wheels, what's, nothing's going to happen. Yep. Yep. So. That's, that's, uh, I think that's, that's very wise. Um, so, so, so tell me about the, um, the virtual conference. Um, and the, the, yeah. um, cause it's obviously there's so many things that are virtual right now, but, um, you've got a lot of connections. You've got a lot of really good, exciting speakers that are coming. So tell me about that and what the, what's the, how is it different and what's the, what's kind of the, the genesis behind it? Yeah. So Face It Live was scheduled to be a Columbus Day weekend of this year in October, and super excited about it. I've never done this before, but I said, let's do it, and it's grown into a really beautiful conference, and I woke up one morning, I think in April, and I said, you know what, screw it, it's going to be virtual, mm-hmm. and from then on, it was virtual, <laughs> um, and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to figure it out, it's going to be virtual, so the goal was was that we learned a lot during quarantine, all of us, with all of this virtual stuff and Instagram Live, and now we're back at work. We're using and putting to work what we learned, and then come August, you know, my thought was that people would be ready to maybe learn a little bit more. Who knows if it's going to work or not. So it's set up over four days, and it's two weekends, and there's, they're like two weeks apart or something, the first and the second of August, and then the 15th and the 16th. Okay. And you can just attend one day if you want. So you don't have to pay to be, you know, stuck on a virtual conference for four days. It's just one day. And I think it's four, four hours per day. And, um, each day has different speakers. They're all really incredible. They're from seven different countries. And, uh, we do, there's some business talks and injecting talks. And it's, uh, we have Dr. Judy Ho from the doctor's TV show. And we have Greta Monahan, who's an NBC personality, to give us a business side of things, um, and also about, you know, medical professional burnout. So I tried to encompass many different aspects. Um, and then we have Chino Bay and Matt Stefanelli, who he's in Paris and Dubai. They're doing iClass Anatomy, which is, it's been over overseas for a while, and now they're bringing it to North America, and they're doing a mini version, a mini session of that, and it's, it's beyond incredible. It's so great. Uh, and then That's we're also awesome. doing a virtual cadaver session with Jonathan Sykes with two cadaver heads. So I tried to make it very well-rounded so that people can pick and choose what they want to attend. It is um, a pre-recorded conference because I have done some of these virtual ones, and it's been really tough. Um, yeah. Very stressful for the presenters. I mean, I was sweating myself just looking at how stressed they were <laughs> with connections. <laughs> yep. So it's pre-recorded, but the the person who is giving that talk is live, and so you see them, and they're answering live questions on a chat. Right. So it's a little bit of a different format, and the goal is for it to be smooth, and then at the end of each day, we'll have a live panel with everybody there to talk. So, um, again, I'm flying by the seat of my pants here, using my my knowledge and my tools, and I and I think it, you know, from what we've, the response we've had so far, 
it looks really, really awesome. That's awesome. So you've got to try it, right? If you don't try it, again, another one of my little things, if you don't try it, what's the worst? It doesn't work. Right. And there's been days I've woken up and I said at the beginning, it's not going to work. But look, we're still here and it's going and here we go. So it's great. That's awesome. Great. Congratulations on that. Yeah. That's an, that's Thanks. incredible. And I, I, I agree. You know, I think it was Larry. I, I've heard this attributed to, to multiple different sports stars, Larry Bird, Wayne Gretzky, but you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right. So, totally. If, so totally. and I, I, I would like you, I have these like little business cliches that I just recite to myself basically all day long. I want to give a what talk. What are some of yours? I want to hear one of yours. Um, what are your favorites? Well, the, I mean, honestly, the one that I use more than any is don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I mean, that's the one that I, yeah. that I, that I really, um, kind of live by because I, that, that's where, where I see people get so tripped up on is, and if, if there's anything that, 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 that people can learn, it's that it's, it's that it's, you, you have to advance your product and your plan. And it's impossible to do that. If you just get stuck in the mud, worrying about the details. Um, you know what? I've got a whole list of them that I like. The other like thing, the other thing too is imposter syndrome, which kind of goes along with yours. Yeah. You know, always telling yourself, oh, I'm not good enough, but I'm not that person, but I'm not good enough. Yep. That well, is the worst. And, and you, sh- and another one is, is, you know, just, and, and these are kind of related is, is, you know, don't pay attention to your, to your competition. Um, number one, because people 100%. get so wrapped up in what other people are doing. It, they end up switching their own plan without ever completing it. But then the other big one that I've always realized is, um, you know, when, and this was like, on someone had said this about, a, they were playing a video game and they said, the one thing I've learned about in video games is that when you, you run into bad guys, it means you're going in the right direction. So yeah. like with what you said, the, when you start getting people coming at you and criticizing you and, and, and th- it means you're doing something right and you need to kind of step on the gas and keep going. Yeah. Which is, that's scary. You know, to hear that it's like what you're telling me to do something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like you're telling me to face this criticism, but the more, you know, the more you become known, the more people know who you are, the more of a voice you have, the more you're heard and people will react to you. And it's not always positive. Right. And I try so hard to, you know, you know, you don't want to make enemies and you don't want to cause controversy, but. Yeah. Sometimes it's you, hard, can't, you can't, so. you can't, you know, the, the haters are going to hate. <laughs> There's, I mean, there's just nothing you can do about it. Um, it it's, and it's unfortunate. Like, and if, if you, if you look at it and especially you as a physician, like with reviews and review sites and, and all these things that are out there, that's enough to drive somebody crazy. I mean, have you ever gotten just a scathing bad review that, that you, that's kept you up at night? Cause I, I feel like that's just something that is really tough to get over, especially when most of them are just kind of bogus anyway. So that's interesting because yes, you can have all this positive and then you get one bad and you're like, Oh, but that bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ever look at my reviews. That's I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't care <laughs> because the, the voice that somebody feels like they can use on Google. And if somebody's shopping for their doctor or their injector on Google, I, I don't, I just don't look at them again. It's not like I have, I don't know if I have blinders onto that, but People just say whatever they want to say, and I think there's so much more that you can learn about a person on social media and on their website or by calling the office than by a Google review. Yeah, okay, you can look at them, 
I don't look at my own. I think in the past, somebody come in and they said, do you see this review that you got on some site? And I was like, oh, I don't even know that existed. And okay. And then I forgot about it. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. No, I think that's, that's, it's, it's bad energy. It's bad energy for me. It makes, it consumes my mind. I don't, I don't want that. I don't think anybody should, should want that. I mean, if you're getting bad reviews day after day after day, obviously there's a problem here. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. Yes. But no, I think I, I had one about, you know, pricing or something and then somebody went to another office and it was much cheaper. I mean, that kind of stuff to me, uh, give me a break. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it is bad energy. I mean, we were talking about business kind of cliches and another one that I always think about is I really believe in, um, I believe in corporate karma is kind of what I call it. Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, like you have to treat then this means your patients, your employees, other businesses, everyone, you need to treat everybody fairly. And, and like, I, I don't try not to make, even if I can screw somebody over in a deal, I, I just try never to do that, like make fair deals. And I feel like if you're leaving bad reviews and you're spending that much time to go after somebody, you've just, you've got too much negative energy and there's too, there's too many negative vibrations. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, but I don't, I don't think people should focus on if you're like checking your Google reviews every day, oh goodness, like. Oh my God, no, it'll, it'll drive you crazy. It'll drive you crazy. Well, I think the other thing, yeah, no, keep going. No, 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 no. What, what, what's the other thing? I don't know. I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> Sweet, I do that. so much. <laughs> no, I was, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're bumping up against um, an hour here. So I, I wasn't, um, I, I wasn't going to go anywhere other than just, just kind of start wrapping up by saying kind of what's the, I mean, you know, where do you, um, where do you, I, I hate this question, but it's, it's, it's good. Like, where do you see yourself in, where's the brand going in five years? Like what is G, G face MD going to look like, um, in, 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 in five years from now? And, and more generally, um, are you as excited about the industry and the, the future of aesthetics and med spas and things like that as, as, as most people are? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think, above all, I just love what I do, and I, I don't say that to be annoying, <laughs> because I could be at home sitting, you know, I could be with my kids, who I love so much, but I I choose to be here and do this because I love it. I love the people. I love who I've met, the connections. I think the conferences every year get better and better and better. I think we all just need to have a more positive approach, you know, as a whole um, industry and we'll get there. Yeah. But I really love it. I think it's amazing. I, you know, I don't know. And I, I don't know where G face MD is going. I, I, I think very big. Um, and I always have, Yep. I don't know if I will have multiple locations. I don't think so. I don't think it's something I want. I have requests day in and day out. When are you coming to New York? When are you coming to New Jersey? We're all going to come see you. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I love that. Keep it coming. I want to see and meet all of you. I'm just not sure. Um, I'm not sure. I think that I'll grow here locally and have a couple other injectors in my office so that I can take a little bit of a breather. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But those people will be fully trained extensively by me so that they're mini-me's. That's what I want. And better than me. Like, they will be better than me. That yeah. is the goal. So that's my vision and to grow my skincare line and to have fun and just just really enjoy it because 
seeing my my team grow and my staff and everybody who supported me from when they started with me, you know, they're learning and they're happy to be here and that's all, you know, just enjoying it. So Yeah, that's awesome. No, I'm excited. It's 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 getting me <laughs> excited to 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 see where you're going to go because I I truly believe that, you know, you grow by by helping others grow. I mean, that makes, yeah. you know, it makes you bigger along the way. So Well, that's the best feeling. That's literally the best feeling. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, good luck with the, the conference. Where, where can people, what's the website where they can find out more about that? Yep. So the Instagram and the website are Face It Virtual. Um, website is faceitvirtual.com. Instagram, okay. Face It Virtual. There's a lot of info on the Instagram as well. And um, tickets are live. The prices may go up closer to the conference. So book them now. The ones for the anatomy and the cadaver, they may be limited. Uh, okay in numbers. So just check it out. And if you guys have any questions for good or for bad, I'm always on my Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) What's your, what's your Instagram uh, handle? My Instagram is gfacemd. Gfacemd. All right. Yes. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy. Um, So um, thanks for taking time. Thanks for having me. Of course. No, thank you so much. And we will look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Steersch was joined by Dr. Gretchen Freeling, certified dermapathologist. If you're new with us, we'd love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get AmSpa content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.